Ladies and gentlemen, joining me on the line as he does every week to talk about the world of movies, entertainment, and everything in between. His name is Mike Reyes. He's the caulk that holds this show together. He's from CinemaBlend.com. Hey, Mike, what's going on? Oh, not much. Just being given uh, such a, a burden kind of now kind of killed my morning because it's like, am, am, I, am I doing well enough? Am I, am I doing the thing here? I got to do the thing. You know what? I have those thoughts sometimes. It's like, God, my back hurts from carrying everything. <laughs> it is the burden man. of the strong man. Anyways, uh, Mike, uh, we've got an interesting week. Uh, we've got some Oscar nominations to talk about. Those came out this week. Uh, we are recording on Wednesday, the 24th. Uh, so by the time this comes out, uh, you know, there may be some other, probably the biggest news in the movie world will happen or something. We'll see what happens, but, uh, not a ton of movies coming out this week, but there are a few interesting stories. Uh, we're going to do our best to get to all of those today. Uh, let's dive in, um, releasing in a different fashion in black and white that Godzilla minus one movie is coming back around. Yep. Uh, for a week only, you will have a chance to see Godzilla minus one minus color, which is a black and white version that they, I believe they've already released it in Japan. And I mean, Godzilla minus one continues to just see it, it for a movie. That's not a Marvel billion dollar hit. This is like, a movie that's setting records for the franchise. I think it's like the highest grossing. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. There's so many just records that this is setting. Like I think it's the highest grossing Japanese Godzilla film. Okay. In the U.S., I don't know what other. It's the first Godzilla film to get a a nomination at the Oscars because uh, it got a special visual effect nomination. So now it's competing with some heavy hitters like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And to be completely honest, I, I want this one to win. It looks like a frightening Godzilla. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is this is definitely... It's frightening in its own way. And what's really funny is, I think it was, it was a couple months ago, when, before the movie released, I talked to the, the director, uh, Takashi Yamazaki, <laughs> who also is part of the visual effects team, wrote the film, directed it, and he was talking about how there was another movie a couple of years ago called Shin Godzilla, which was yeah. also a big hit. And that was a, terif a Godzilla of a different, terrifying in a different way. That was and like a, it was like a mutated Godzilla, which was something nobody had seen before. Oh, yeah. The faces that thing could make. Just uh, imagine one of those stalking you at night. The, the Versus... gills changing and shooting blood out onto the street. It was crazy. Yeah. So. Meanwhile, Godzilla minus one is like a little more traditional, but you still see Godzilla mutating and growing. Yeah. Like the beginning of the movie, he's about the size of a T-Rex. And then by the end of the movie, he's, you know, obviously much bigger. But it, it's just a wonderful, it's just wonderful to see this movie continue to have the success that it does. It has crossed, I think it's already crossed $100 million at the box office, made for about 15 million which i think the the director was even like yeah we 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 weren't exactly at 15 i think they were a little under yeah but to deliver this sort of movie on that sort of budget it's just kind of a wake-up call to to everyone and i'm hoping this means good things for godzilla kong the new empire which will be out in uh april and that's the next u.s monsterverse movie well it does bring up the interesting thought about you don't need hundreds of millions of dollars to make a good movie well, no, and also this was just a. This has a really good story, a really good human story to it, and I'm kind of 
kind of mad that this didn't get a Best Picture nomination. And I know that to, to some people that sounds crazy, but the way that they mixed human drama and really compelling human drama about PTSD and, and post-war Japan in with a Godzilla movie, yeah. was, it's just phenomenal. So I highly recommend that anyone who hasn't already seen it, go see it in black and white. Uh, it was funny because my wife and I were talking about it last night and she's like, I don't know which one I want to see first because I know I want to see it, but I don't know if I want to make the effort to go see it in color first. And it's like, we, we probably doesn't matter, but you know, well, it's, we'll an inter- it's an interesting thought though, because it, go back uh, to like uh, when uh, Logan came out and yeah. they, 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 you did the first one and then they, Oh, you know, there's the black and white version. And it was, it just, it's a different feel to a movie. Black and white to me in, in, it has a natural feeling of drama to it, like added drama, right? If you use it the right way. I, I, I agree that if you use it in the right way, I still need to see Logan Noir. But yeah. if you use it in the right way, it, the black and white definitely does heighten a film. I mean, I, I kind of feel sorry for Guillermo del Toro because he wanted to make Shape of Water in black and white. And then when he went to Searchlight, they're like, well, we're going to give you a couple extra million dollars. We need to film this in color. Sorry, man. Yeah, sorry, buddy. You know. Uh... But I, I want more people to experiment <laughs> with that. I mean, we saw Mank do it a couple years ago. And every now and then you'll have a movie that, that dips into black and white. I'd, I'd like to see it sort of make a comeback. I mean, it's, we're in a world of digital photography where you can, sh- I, you can shoot things natively in black and white. And it looks beautiful. And I want more people to do that versus, oh, we're just going to go in and, like, tweak the colors later. It's like, why not just film a movie in black and white? I was just thinking about interesting things you could do with color in a movie. Yeah. Like, we're not going to have any purple in this movie. Take it all out. I mean, if you got a really good reason to do it, I'd say go. That's that's kind of fun. Uh, Mike Reyes <laughs> from CinemaBlend.com on the line with me right now as we talk about Godzilla Minus One. It's back uh, this weekend. Well, it kind of never went away, but uh, back minus color. Go check it out. It looks awesome. Um, that's kind of it for big movies that are kind of coming out. I mean, there's there are movies coming out this weekend, but nothing that really stands out, right? There's just not a lot coming out this weekend, period. Okay. Like it's just there's there's like a, I know there's a Snoop Dogg streaming movie, The Underdogs I think it's called. Yep. Uh, that's about it from what I understand. All right. Kind of uh, the big news of the week were the Oscar nominations, I, and we don't have to go through everything. But what was the f- one thing that really stuck out to you here, Mike? Besides Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig not getting nominations for Barbie, I would say the shutout of Iron Claw was something that really I, I am not happy with. Why did that movie in particular get shut out? Why, or let me ask, let me rephrase that. Why would a movie possibly get shut out? I mean, you take your pick. There's a possibility that there just wasn't enough of a, a buzz. Or they didn't have enough time to build sufficient buzz around it, which is funny because this is an A24 movie, and they usually are very on top of that. But it did release pretty late in the cycle, so that might be a thing. Also, if I remember, if I read correctly, they didn't do festival runs for it. So if, uh, if you do festival runs, like you go to you go to Venice, you go to Toronto, you that's a real early yeah. way to start building uh, buzz for the season. Is if you just you know the the earlier you can get out in front of everything else, the the easier it is. So I mean, take your pick, but I I really don't know. Okay. 
Um, what else kind of stood out to you about this? So we, and like I said, we will go through some of the no, uh, categories here, but w- what was kind of the standout to you? Definitely Godzilla minus one getting a, a visual effects nomination, which there's video of the special effects team watching the nominations and just they break into such a beautiful cheer of excitement that it's it's really heartwarming to watch. I recommend finding that video and seeing it yourself. Okay. I, but, I saw it, but yeah. I didn't get a, uh, I, when I was looking up stuff for this show today, I saw the video, but I didn't get to watch it yet. So I'll, I'll have to do that. Well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. So, uh, best picture nominations were uh, American Fiction, Anatomy of the Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer. <laughs> Past lives, poor yep. things, in the zone of interest. Yeah, we went to a full 10 this year. I, I like when they do that because it's <clears throat> it's not always it's not always a given. Like some years you'll have eight. Some years you'll have nine. Yeah. And it's just like, look, you expanded this field to 10. You should just go to 10 every year. I feel like in this stuff where it, I kind of look at it as, you know, some of the sports stuff where, yeah, you start with 10, but there are seven of those that clearly aren't going to win. Is that the same thing with this? I mean, depending on who you talk to. Okay. I I I'm still I'm still in the 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 tank for Oppenheimer winning this, but you know, there's a lot of I've seen half of these movies, and there's some really good titles in here. I'm it finally gives me more of an excuse to go see American Fiction, which looks absolutely hysterical. I'm trying and to remember which got, one that was. That is Jeffrey Wright, where he's a struggling author that decides to adopt a new pen name and sort of write like what he feels is the stereotypical black experience in his book. And he starts becoming successful. Oh, boy. Like, it's a dark comedy. Okay. And you've you've got him. He's been nominated for Best Actor. I think Sterling K. Brown was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in it. Yeah. And that was a movie that I was I was wondering if it was gonna, you know, I was talking with some people on Facebook the other night and they're like, oh, what are your last minute, you know, predictions? What are your last minute feelings? And I was like, I don't know if the buzz has been loud enough for this movie that it's gonna make it into a decent position at the Oscars. And then it actually did. So that, I mean, I was I was glad to be wrong in that case. But yeah, I mean, the, it's, Best Director was really interesting because you have Bradley Cooper didn't get nominated for Maestro. Uh, Greta Gerwig didn't get nominated for Barbie. Uh, I believe it was Celine Song didn't get nominated for Past Lives. But yet you had, and Past Lives was an interesting one because it's nominated for Best Picture, but then a lot of the other major categories had nothing. Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. I and truth be told, off the top of my head, I I don't remember that one. That's that's one of the ones I had to look up and be like, okay, I don't remember this. Like I don't the holdovers, Past Lives. The Zone of Interest and Anatomy of the Fall, I, uh, those are ones I, I don't remember off the top of my head. Well, Holdovers is on Peacock right now if you want, and I do recommend that because I don't know if we talked about it when I did watch it, but it's it's really nice. What's it's, it about? It's a nice it is at a, it's at a prep academy in New England, and you have oh uh, I've, I I remember yeah. the tra- yeah 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 okay sorry yeah some really re- some great acting firepower in there and honestly I knew Divine Joy Randolph Joy Randolph was going to get a best supporting actress nomination I think she's my favorite for best supporting actress but Emily Blunt might pull the upset that's an upset well no I want Divine Joy Randolph to win for that but I wouldn't be my I wouldn't mind if Emily Blunt pulls an upset 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Paul Giamatti pulls an upset with Killian Murphy for best actor, but I think I think Oppenheimer's still going to be a juggernaut. But there's some surprises here and there that I wouldn't I wouldn't feel bad about. Like if Robert Downey Jr. loses to Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things, I'm fine with that because Mark Ruffalo rules in Poor Things. She is a dandy dialed into overdrive, and it's fantastic. The what do you think the surprise will? If there was going to be a surprise that you're going to call right now that it happens that night and it kind of shocks everybody, what do you think it would be? Oh man! I know. I just backed you to a quarter there. Sorry, but I want my answer. <laughs> I would think anybody but Nolan for best director might be. Uh, that's that's because uh, Scorsese might win it, but I think Nolan's got that pretty locked. I'm trying to think of like what would be a big surprise. Barbie uh, is best picture. It'd be a big surprise, but I don't think it's happening. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to think let me rephrase. That, like like within the chance with, of happening, within the realm of possibility, how about that? And that's exactly what I'm trying to figure out. Like I look at, like I'm just going to speed round this. Like, okay, best director, I think Nolan has it. Scorsese would probably come in if not. The big surprise would probably be someone like Jonathan Glazer for Zone of Interest, because while I have her or Justine Triet for Anatomy of a Fall, because those are the two in that category that feel like they haven't had as much buzz as like, oh, you've heard it all about Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer and to a certain extent, poor things. Uh, Annette Benning would be a huge upset in Actress for Nyad for the same reason. Yeah. Because you really haven't heard that much buzz surrounding that film. Nothing against her or her performance. I still need to see it. And I know it's on Netflix, but uh, Bradley Cooper would be a hell of a surprise for Maestro because while this movie's nominated for several key awards, he didn't get a nomination for Best Director, and there's still a debate over where that where people land on that movie. Okay. Especially with his use of a prosthetic nose. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, that's that's what you got there. Uh, yeah, that's what you got, Johnny. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know, the nose knows, Johnny. It's it's <laughs> it, it, this feels like a year that while there is a lot of diversity in some categories like best animated feature i'm really happy how diverse that feels because you've only got one disney movie in there you've got elemental you've got spider-man across the spider-verse obviously that was going to happen boy and the heron was always going to happen but then you've got robot dreams which is a movie that's just starting to come on to come into wider release and it's like i think it's a silent film and it's about an alternate 80s where like a dog gets a robot friend and it looks like a lot of fun okay and then nimona nimona is probably the biggest surprise and best animated feature because this was a movie that seemed to have died in the disney fox merger in 2019 and it was like 70 to 75 percent of the way through certain processes that like it came a far distance before it was can seemingly canceled and then netflix and annapurna revived it and actually made the film okay and we actually just put up a, a feature about that yesterday on cinema blend the whole story behind how that movie went from a web comic to being adapted to canceled and then back to actually being a movie so that would be a hell of an upset, and that'd be a Cinderella ending, To I, I would admire that. I don't have any idea what it is, but I, you know what? I'm willing to go with my movie critic on this one. Well, that's on Netflix, and it's a futuristic medieval sort of thing. It's animated, so I think okay. you'd like it. All right, I'll, I'll give it a look. Uh, Mike Reyes, I got to watch it, too. 
Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com on the line with me right now. Uh, Netflix is going to come up here in a few minutes, so stick around for that. As we wrap up the Oscar talk, anything else that kind of stands out to you? Any thought one way or the other about it? Um, still Team Oppenheimer all the way, and I, I look forward to seeing what the uh, the next couple award. I think we've got the Screen Actors Guild Awards coming, and I think the Writers Guild still still happening. Okay. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of what other award shows we have, but there's we we've still got it's going to be exciting. Uh, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com on the line with me right now. Uh, moving over to uh, the last couple things we're going to talk about for this week. You want to do Polly Shore, Ed O'Neill, real quick? Yeah, let's go. Okay, Polly Shore. Start Polly Shore. Uh, he's going to be doing yeah. a thing with, uh, what's he doing with the Richard Simmons stuff? Which so by the way, the before I hear any of that part, I, it would have never occurred to me, Pauly Shore is Richard Simmons in a biopic. But as soon as you kind of see it and start playing with it in your head, it's like, that's the perfect fit. Oh yeah. And apparently, uh, he's done a short film called the court jester where he plays Richard Simmons. <clears throat> and I, if I'm not mistaken, he's on deck to be in a, a biopic about Richard Simmons, but I, I could be wrong. I thought that was the, the big announcement as well. Uh, and Richard Simmons has nothing to do with either of these things. Like, he is not participating. It, it, it's going to be really interesting because this could be Paulie Shore's uncut gems where, you know, this is the serious take that he uses to, to maybe revitalize his career. But also, I just, I do really find it interesting that this is an unauthorized biopic. And, you know, Richard Simmons has been in seclusion for, for some time now. So he's been out of the, the limelight and maybe that's why he's not participating. Yeah. He he, and when he out. left, he left. Yeah. Like for a little while, people thought that he had disappeared. And I think it was just a case of he didn't want to be as public anymore. Yeah. Which, you know, uh, that's that's cool for him, you know. Is it weird yeah, to have an unauthorized I mean, biopic before somebody dies? I think it sounds kind of weird. I mean, I know there's there's been other cases of, I don't know if it was unauthorized, but I know uh, a couple of years ago there was a David Bowie biopic after he passed, and I don't think the family had participated in it at all, and they didn't have the rights to the music. So it was a very awkward sort of... Okay. Situation where it's like, okay, you're making a David Bowie movie, but you can't have like Space Oddity or Life on Mars. Yeah. You can't play his music in there. Um, just a couple other crazy things. I mean, one, I mean, the fact that he's not a part of this at all is interesting. Uh, Polly Shore, and forgive me, I don't know who the reporter was that caught up with him, but it was like a TMZ style thing, or they saw him in an airport and asked him. And his response yeah. to. Polly Shore not wanting to be a part of this was, I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was interesting where it seems like it, it almost felt like one of those things. Like it's like one day it was one answer. The next day it was a different answer coming from their camp. If that makes sense. Yeah. This, this might be a case of uh, trying to scramble and in, in terms of PR, just because while they're not doing anything wrong per se, just the fact that Richard Simmons is out there saying, Hey, I'm not on board with this is probably enough to to rub some people the wrong way because while it while some people may not think it Richard Simmons is a beloved pop culture icon. Yeah. No, absolutely. The man so. I mean you so many people saw those infomercials and like the, the stuff that he was doing was sweating uh, sweating with the oldies. That's right. It's like it's it's an easy punchline for the wrong people but you know what he was putting out 
exercise videos that had plus-size people in there. It wasn't just a bunch of skinny aerobics models. Like, you could watch those videos and think, okay, I can do this. And, you know, I'm a former fat kid. So that meant a lot where it's like he these people weren't punchlines. They were friends to him. It, that, it felt it, like they were friends to him. It, it And I could be completely wrong on this, okay? I could absolutely be completely wrong on this. But whatever, like, as weird as uh, 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 Richard Simmons could be, you know, with the, you know, the outfit and all the stuff, like, kind of out there. Like, I genuinely think he gave a shit about people. Yes. You know, it, I, it, for I all the glitz and glamour and all that stuff, I, I think he gave a shit about people. I don't even think it was so much glitz or glamour. It's just he wanted flash. He wanted yeah, color. And he that's a good way to say it. Look, I, I still remember getting a – I still remember on Disney Channel every morning they would have Mousercise. And it was like a, it, one of those like aerobics programs, but it was all Disney-themed. And yeah. they had the songs. And <clears throat> it's the kids in the sweats and the sin, you know, the sin instructor saying, yeah, you can do it. It's like, okay, I get that there's an amount of encouragement here. But that stuff was always just – it became its own aesthetic, and it was always kind of cold. Yeah. Like – but you watch Sweating with the Oldies. Like, Richard Simmons had a whole band, and they're playing old, like, 50s, 60s pop hits. And they're, everybody's out there smiling and doing their best. And it's like, that's nothing against the aerobic, other aerobics programs that we were talking about, but this was comparatively, like, fun and human. Like, you don't want someone to just – you don't want a drill instructor when you're exercising. No. Or at least not everybody does. Sometimes you really want someone – that understands you and that sees you and is just like, we can do this. We're doing this together. Yeah. I believe in you. And that's something that Richard Simmons, you know, you, you, you put him up there with Mr. Rogers and Bob Ross as like, you know, you see those, those memes where it's like they celebrate the, the sort of pillars of kindness. Yeah. Like Richard Simmons should be up there. I don't disagree with that. Mike Gray is from cinemablend.com on the line with me right now. Uh, the Ed O'Neill story is going around. Um, it's not really which a story. I have no clue about. Um, which it it has to do with the rival feud he had with Marcy from the show. Amanda, it's Bierce, right? Is that I how think you so. Okay. Um, long story short, it comes down to something that uh, I don't know if anybody ever guessed that that would be where the feud started. Yeah, like I had no clue that there was a feud even until, you know, I had seen – uh, some some items hit our desk recently where it's like, oh, Ed O'Neill talks about married with children. It's like, oh, that that sounds cool. What is he talking about? Like, yeah. And what, then apparently, I'm I've always been a big fan of the show. Like, that's one of the shows for me that kind of uh, made me who I am today as a kid. You know, why but, am I not surprised? But um, um, there was always a thing that yeah, they hated each other, hated yeah, each had, other. I had no clue about that. Just like before we continue, uh, apparently my, my dad's a huge Andy Griffith fan. And apparently uh, Andy Griffith and the actor that played Aunt B like did could not stand each other. <laughs> Which is so weird, you know? I know. Like at least with Married with Children, Al and Marcy having that feud just this kind of feeds it. But it was still really sad. And apparently uh, this was on uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson's Dinner on Me podcast. And, you know, uh, Ed O'Neill was a, a co-star co with Jesse Tyler Ferguson on Modern Family for, I think it was 10, 11 seasons. But basically, the TV, a TV Guide cover was what 
got between Ed O'Neill and, and Amanda Bierce, where she and David Garrison, who played uh, the, the Darcy's, wanted to be on the cover. But apparently there was a rule that TV Guide had where they – and they only broke it for a couple of shows like MASH or Dallas. Yeah. That you could only have so many people on a cover from a cast. And apparently they went to uh, Ed O'Neill and were like, we want you to fight for us. And he's like, I, I don't want to – he didn't want to compromise things. Yeah. He's like, I, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm not going to lie to you and say I will and then not do it. I'm just, I, have, I have to tell you I'm not going to. Yeah, he didn't want to upset course, the apple cart. Yeah, and then you know this was apparently season six, or this was this was later in the run, that this was all happening. But apparently that led to the friction, and he even said, uh, looking back, he would have he would have changed his mind and and done it. It's his one regret or something, or it's a a regret of his. Yeah. So that's yeah, and I yeah, like that's one of those ones I can see it from both sides. Yeah, I could definitely <clears throat> see that because you. I mean, it's two more people. I don't know why they couldn't break that rule, especially for Married with Children being as hot of a show as it was back then. And, like, the Alan-Marcy feud is one of those components that everybody remembers, and that was always that was always part of the formula. That, that was just I, – I don't know how you, you could watch that show and, like, discount that and think this isn't that important. I'm trying to f- see if there is a – if there's any articles about – why they had that rule yeah that's but the that's a, uh, oh. the quick google search is not uh very quick on this one i feel like i'd have to do some reading on it so uh, i want to do that because that'd be a great story yeah there you go why why is six worse than four but anyways uh mike well you know what though i mean when you think of that show i mean it is the immediate family you think of to a certain extent, I still think that if you, you could expand it to Marcy and her husbands, you could. But I mean, you think of Al, Peg, uh, Bud, and uh, Kelly. Kelly, yeah, and Buck, and Buck the dog. Buck. I mean, I under. Yeah, I. Oh God, I, it's such a great show. Nizuzu. <laughs> you have no idea what I'm talking about, there, do you? I don't think I've seen that episode. That's the one where the aliens come and they're stealing Al's socks. And he doesn't know he had a head injury, so he can't tell if they're real or not. I really need to go back and watch that <laughs> whole thing because I remember catching bits of it when I was a kid and enjoying it. <laughs> and they he asked, he goes, "Hey, what do you guys need all my socks for?" They go, "Nizuzu fuel." And then there's an after or an after show like thing of how the aliens were able to save their planet using fuel from the socks of this one man on Earth. <laughs> And how he's praised in their Lord and all this stuff. Oh. <laughs> I am a hero, Al Bundy. Oh, you know what, though? You look at the uh, sitcom dads of the time. He's the only one who hasn't really had uh, weird stuff come out about him. One of them, yeah. Yeah? That's, that's the point. That's the point. So, anyways, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlid.com on the line with me right now. Uh, to wrap up, we're getting another Jurassic Park movie of some sort. Uh, what do we know about this? Yes, we are. Oh, man. Oh, I know you're. Know so far? Okay, so is it going to be Jurassic Park, Jurassic World? What's happening here? You know what? What do you know? I, I don't know anything about it. I, I legitimately oh. don't. You, you telling me earlier that they we're getting another Jurassic Park movie was the first time I had heard about this. Oh, I thought you were about to say something like, I know you're excited about this or something. Oh, well, I know. Yes, you're, I know you're excited about this. This is one of your things. So 
the all we know at this point is there's a new Jurassic movie coming, and according to early reports, it is the start of a new Jurassic universe, which means new story arc, new characters. They brought back David Kep, who was the co was one of the screenwriters on the original Jurassic Park. He uh, shared credit with uh, author Michael Crichton, and then he was also the screenwriter on The Lost World. So he's being brought back to write this new film, which apparently has been in the works long enough that there is a rumor that it could be released next year. Like, we don't know for sure. That's just all the early rumors that are going right now is that it could be done next year. So this would be the seventh movie in the Jurassic line after the Jurassic Park trilogy and then the Jurassic World trilogy that wrapped up with Jurassic World Dominion in 2022. So we know that Frank Marshall's coming back as, a, 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 I think, a producer. Steven Spielberg will, of course, executive produce the film. But at this point, we really don't know much else about the story or about what sort of approach they're taking. It's just going to be a fresh take, and I am excited. Did you ever see the thing about uh, when they're talking about uh, one of the movie ideas was them splicing dinosaur DNA with human? Buddy, I was reading those rumors when they first hit the internet back in the day. That would be interesting, remember, right? Oh, it, it, if you do it right, if you, it, it's so just, there's such a fine line yeah. with this sort of thing. Because I remember there's the whole plot line in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom where we find out that a person was actually cloned. That fell, I felt fell in line with what Michael Crichton would have loved to have done with the series if he expanded a little more, if he wanted to expand more. Yeah. That felt like it was at home with his sort of things. Splicing DNA between humans and dinosaurs, that really felt like a, it feels off base, but I think if you were able to do it the right way, it could have been exciting. And that draft was, from what I remember, the stuff that was in that draft was like campy, but sounded fun. Yeah. Like there was apparently a villain with like a Swiss castle. Like it sounded very James Bond-esque. Well, I'm just, but, I'm just thinking about the, the premise of the, the story in general of how you would redo that, you know? Well, I would think that you don't, you, if you were going to do human dinosaur hybrids, you would do select genes. You wouldn't do like, humans that look like dinosaurs or dinosaurs that look like humans you would maybe have a human like you you would have humans that express dinosaur traits and maybe they've got like interesting features here and there or dinosaurs maybe with the ability to speak or at the very least understand human behavior you know i was just like, thinking it, what it, might be a kind of a cool idea what? What if you did, uh, like you had your Jurassic Park, but you set it, you set it in a world where the Jurassic Park stuff happened, but you're 20, 30, 40 years beyond that, right? Where the technology has kind of integrated dinosaurs back into the world, into the ecosystem, right? Yeah. And then, like, you think everything's fine, all the, you know, dinosaurs, you know, domesticated, you know, working the way you want. And then, weird stuff starts happening where they start reverting back to, no, I'm a dinosaur. I'm going to tear you apart. Have you watched the Jurassic World uh, trilogy? No. I've watched one of the movies. I've watched the, well, I watched the the first two of that. Why is that what happens? No, but well, the whole thing is like dinosaurs get, you saw at the end of Fallen Kingdom, dinosaurs get out in the wild. Yeah. And in the end of Dominion, it's like they sort of fall into the natural order and you see them becoming, you know, one with nature, so to speak. You just laid out something that 
does sound like a pretty good that sounds like a really good concept for for continuing from where Dominion left off and I think you should watch Dominion to to see how how close in the ballpark you got it man all I'm saying is if anybody in Hollywood would pay any attention to me on this this podcast you'd have a million great ideas for movies I may not be able to lay out all the details for you but I can give you a great concept no, you come up with some really good concepts, man. And that's why I, I like collaborating with you in that way, where it's like, you'll tell me things and it's like, you can write this, right? And it's like, I would love to. Hey, did have you written any of our ideas yet to get us out of this uh, 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 little life of ours? I haven't written any of my own ideas. Okay. Mike. Ah! I know. I know. Ah! I need to start... I need to start writing in my personal life in addition to writing in my professional life. I've wasted so much time we could be millionaires right now. We could be doing Maybe. this podcast in the same room. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. A room that's floating, like a floating room. I have, no, you know what? what's funny? If I ever won the lottery, I've got, like, in my head what my studio would be like. Because I wouldn't want to work, oh, per right. se, but I would want to do my own stuff. Like, I would find work yeah. to do. And I, the studio I have in my head is awesome. Just awesome. That sounds great, man. So I would it, like to see it. I would like to see it too. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com joins me every week to talk about movies and such. Uh, we'll call it there for the week. Uh, Mike, I'll let you go. Have a good one and enjoy the rest of the week. You as well. And remember, everybody, life uh, finds a way. Can you imagine Norm MacDonald in a Jurassic Park movie? You know, uh, you know, uh, life, life finds a way. You know, it, it, it kind of just you know flaps around in a puddle and it. Uh, you know, sometimes a fish comes out of the puddle and, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, grows you know, legs. Are, it's weird. You know, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether they could. They never really, you know, stopped to think about uh, whether they should. You know, it's, it's crazy. And now you got these things that are going to eat you. And it's like, ah, nature nature taught you. It's, ah. Now I want to go back and watch the SNL uh, auditions reel because they did, like, they you know, they used to do the, the movie audition sketches. Yeah. Like, I'm wondering if he's in that one. Oh, no, because it was, oh, it was 2018, so he wouldn't have been in that one. No, he was, he was gone. <sighs> no, he was out of the cast. He hadn't died oh, yet, I don't think. I actually don't remember now. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I don't remember what year he passed away. Oh, he passed in 2021, which okay. still, um, still bums me out to this day. You guys, uh, you guys don't know what I died there. Uh, what the hell? No, it goes there. Come and haunt you. It's not gonna be anything like evil or anything. It's, I'm just gonna sit there, and you're just gonna wonder what. And I'm gonna be like, did Did you remember this time? <laughs>